Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Hello, and welcome to episode 224 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. We're here today with Dr. Bart Rossi, political psychologist commentator with The Fresh Outlook, uh, formerly on News 12 New Jersey and a former on-air legal analyst with NBC News. Dr. Rossi is a former political commentator with MSNBC, CBS, Fox 5, My 9, PI 12, and WHDT, as well as the Wall Street Journal this morning. Dr. Rossi is former chair of the New Jersey Association for the Advancement of Psychology and is a New Jersey licensed clinical psychologist. He's the author of The New New American Lifestyle, post-September 11, 2001, A Psychologist's Perspective. He's additionally the author of many published articles and is a former co-director for an independent child study team and is the winner of an Emmy in 2014 for his work on The Fresh Outlook. Dr. Rossi, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Nice to be with you, Jordan. Great. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. So the first question I'd like to pose to you is, what are you currently doing or what have you ever done to advance the public interest and why? Well, currently, I've actually been the political uh, psychologist or analyst for CBS Wink TV here in Southwest Florida. I've been doing that for about the last year or so. And I've been commenting on about the personalities of people running for office, uh, taking a look at their character and uh, a lot of their traits and characteristics. And I've also done the same pretty much in terms of looking at the political psychology of the issues of today, whether it's immigration, whether it's education, whether it's mental health in America, or uh, anything within the political spectrum. I've been talking about it, writing about it, and um, I enjoy being uh on air, whether it's um, TV or radio, uh, and we also like uh, being part of the articles that are that are going out. Now, there is a discussion uh, nationally among uh, psychologists about diagnosing individuals whom you've never had con- informed consent given uh, from them, or or whom you've never seen as a patient. Uh, recently, a uh, a candidate for governor in the state of Virginia uh, diagnosed President Trump. Uh, using terms, uh, medical terms, to describe a personality disorder uh, in a way, saying narcissistic and, and some other terms. There's been debate about whether psychologists should ever uh, lend uh, a medical opinion about an individual, a public individual who they've never met. Do you have any thoughts on that and, and the debate in general? I do have thoughts on that, and I, it's something that I, I think is um, a good question. But I think I can clarify it. I believe that anyone who is in the public sector, anybody who's out there, and especially over a period of time, and displays certain traits or characteristics, a psychologist or a licensed professional can make comments and give opinions. Uh, Giving a specific diagnosis uh, about someone they haven't seen could be a problem if you're you're just talking about it uh, diagnostically and professionally in terms of a a professional diagnosis, um, a textbook diagnosis. However, in the context of political psychology and in the context of what someone displays out in the public, I certainly feel that someone can make comments about someone's personality 
or someone's uh, issues or how they present themselves. Uh, I wouldn't uh, say someone is, has a specific diagnosis and needs certain treatment uh, as a result uh, of, of just seeing them at a glance or seeing them just a few times. But someone who's a, a, on the national stage or the world stage, and we have seen them for a long period of time, certainly a professional can and probably should make comments that um, might be reflective of those particular traits or characteristics. I don't see anything wrong with that. And I think that as long as someone puts it in the right context, uh, it's mm -hmm. certainly uh, worthwhile and uh, does a, a good public service. So you're a political psychologist commentator that clearly is not a feature that's been a staple on uh, on political no news shows for 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 it seems like more of a novel development, although you have quite a history um, in being in, in serving this role. I guess how did this role come to pass? How did you are, were you a, a trailblazer in becoming a political psychologist commentator? And what are you offering to audiences that they weren't previously receiving from these same shows? Great question, Jordan. And I think I can answer it by simply saying that I've been a, a clinical psychologist for, for many years now and um, actually a diplomate in uh, a clinical psychologist, which means I'm board certified. And I've also had a, a pronounced interest in politics and people in politics and also the issues in politics. So I kind of blended both the clinical psychology and politics. And um, I have taken a look at some things from a little bit different perspective. Uh, for example, uh, I've written some articles on a winning personality. What are the traits of a, of a winning personality? Who has those traits? Talking about uh, winners, obviously, in the public sector like uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, Tom Kane Sr. in New Jersey, the former governor, people who I think have winning characteristics uh, and, and win over the public and, and those traits and characteristics and features, if you will. And I also take a look at the psychology of the issues, you know, and what uh, is the thinking uh, in terms of the GOP or the Democratic Party with regard to a particular issue. Why do they think that way and uh, what it's all about? So I think from a psychologist's perspective, I'm thinking about the people and the psychology, the conflicts that are out there for everybody in politics. And uh, I, I try to make it clear from a psychologist's point of view uh, what's happening, what the thinking is all about, why. And uh, I, I think I've been able to add uh, quite a bit. Uh, that's a little bit different than the uh, talking heads uh, on TV and radio that are strictly uh, politics and don't necessarily bring in the, the features of the person or the psychology of the issue. Now, I've heard that uh, various election predictions can be made uh, by, by many different metrics, right? It could be, well, you know, it's time, uh, there, there's a whole anti-Republican or anti-Democrat sentiment, and then you get a whole wash of the other party that comes into office. It doesn't really matter who you are or what your personality is, but more, it's time for your party to do well in this particular election cycle. Or it may be that you have a lot of money, and that will help compensate. Um, there are clearly many elements for why somebody actually wins an election, but personality clearly features uh, into that uh, amalgam of, of factors that lead to victory. Can you elaborate on what a winning personality looks like and then whether it can be faked or learned or if, this, or if you just don't have it, if you're just, you're just not going to really win? 
Well, I think there are some basic uh, characteristics to a winning personality. I have a few articles on this, and, and the, the traits go something like this. First of all, you need to be comfortable in your own skin. You need to be able to present yourself uh, as you are. Uh, if you're more a little bit more introverted, you certainly want to uh, do that, and you don't want to present yourself like an over-the-top uh, extrovert person. Or you don't want to present yourself uh, like somebody who is very different uh, from your personality. You want to be comfortable in who you are and, and uh, be that person and go with that. Uh, number two, I, I think that you need to be consistent. You need to be re reasonably consistent in what you say and what you do. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect and you can never change your mind, but you certainly don't want to be a flip-flopper. You want to, want to present yourself to people with a certain mental set, a certain frame of reference that they can relate to and not one that's flip-flopping all, all over the place. Uh, number three, I, I think you, you want to never discard uh, groups of people or individuals. Uh, you always want to reach out to, to people, even if they represent something different than what you stand for. You want to be able to uh, approach everyone and not discard or minimize certain uh, groups or organizations. And finally, perhaps most importantly, you want to present yourself as if you are a really good listener. Uh, you are the person who will be actually listening to others and engaged in listening and taking those thoughts and processing them and appearing that you do that and becoming the best listener that you could possibly be. People relate to that. So I think if you have these four traits, uh, you have the characteristics of a winning personality uh, in most cases. Now, to, to further answer your question, can you, you, you learn these? Absolutely. You can, you can get better at them over time. You can hone in on your own um, skill level. You can become perhaps a better listener. You can make sure that you're consistent with your presentations. Uh, you could always reach out to other groups and organizations who are different from you know, your own particular party, for example. And you certainly can always make gains in, in terms of how you look at yourself and present yourself as who you are. And I think that if you continuously do that and you grow as a person, you become a winner. And that's what I would call the, the basic fundamentals of a winning personality. So with this winning personality and in politics in general, there's a difference often, or there could be a difference between perception and reality, the difference between being perceived as a good listener than actually in taking in what people are saying and acting upon uh, that advice and those suggestions and those ideas about actually reaching out to groups and really considering what they're saying versus kind of giving them lip service between being uh, consistent in actuality, uh, for instance, saying, you know, no new taxes or, or uh, you know, and then, and then actually and, and then just repeating that versus uh, repeating something that no longer is true and potentially increasing uh, taxes on, on the side or, or being comfortable in your own skin, you know, giving a perception that you're always one kind of person but actually being another guy. Could you elaborate on any examples that you can think of or, or just general theories about the differences between perceptions and realities and how that plays out in the political world? Absolutely. And I think, I think you're on a good track here because some people may try to fake it. Uh, they may try to pretend that they're a good listener, 
they may say or they may even believe that they're a good listener, but in fact, you, you know that they're not. We all know folks that fall into that category. But I think that over time, uh, people understand and relate to people who are really good listeners. You can usually tell after a while that someone's faking it and is not real. Uh, you can usually tell that someone is not comfortable in their own skin. They say things uh, in a particular way that makes them look awkward or not authentic. Uh, and I think it, it catches up with people if they're not really uh, believing in these four traits and they don't really go along with it. Uh, to be specific, for example, you have someone like uh, Ronald Reagan, um, who when he was president, I mean, he's gone now, but if he were alive today, if you met him, you would probably get the feeling and the real genuine view that he was actually listening to you and he wanted to hear from you. And it wasn't faith, it was that he would like to hear it. And uh, the same, uh, of course, with perhaps the best listener of all time, which would be Bill Clinton. He made it a, a point to remember what you said, and if he had a chance, he would seek you out and highlight what he could recall, whether it's the same night at a party or a dinner or at a later event, he would remember. He had an enormous recall when it, when it uh, came to um, interaction with people. And that was a skill set that he developed and he enhanced over time. And, and I think that this type of an approach uh, to life makes people believable. Uh, people who just say things and they fabricate and they spin uh, that's something that could last in the short run, but um, not in the long run. Winston Churchill used to talk about uh, lasting success versus initial success. And lasting success means that you have the personality traits over time that transcend any fakeness or uh, any shallowness. And, and I think that people usually relate to what's real, and um, they can tell. Now, have you ever encountered candidates uh, or elected officials who, conversely, have been a good listener, but, for instance, had a penchant for interrupting people, which gave people the impression that they were not a good listener, even though they really were listening and really did want to hear what someone had to say? Um, but were perceived as being a poor listener or somebody who was really, that was who they were, but they were perceived as being perhaps not exactly genuine or a little bit uh, too too incredible or too outrageous to believe or somebody um, who really is is, uh, is consistent but is somehow perceived as a flip-flopper because uh, a decision, a certain issue, uh, data change and, and ended up coming around. Obviously, you can think, Many elected officials once opposed marriage equality, and now that it's the law of the land, many elected officials have no problem with gay marriage. You could find elected officials, uh, you know, um, for instance, I, I know Congressman uh, Kristen Gillibrand had a uh, A rating from the NRA when she was a congressman representing Western New York. Now the U.S. Senator representing the entire state of New York, she has an F rating, and she's very much a uh, in favor of firearm regulation, and of course, some, she might say that she is consistent and represents a different con, uh, electorate, but maybe perceived as a flip-flopper. So my question, Dr. Rossi, is can, do you ever find individuals who actually do exhibit these four traits of the winning personality but are perceived as not 
possessing those traits. Well, I, I think that that can happen. I, I think that that relates to style. And if you are someone who uh, is really pretty good with all four of these traits, but as you said initially, it interrupts someone during a debate and acts with a particular style that's quite offensive or um, uh, it, it, it actually demeans someone else or they have a particular style that's part of their personality that interferes with the, some of the positive traits they have, then in fact they might undermine themselves. Uh, you need to not only be consistent when I say consistent, but you ought, to, you, ought to be, you ought to be consistent in a way that relates to people and not necessarily uh, interrupting them or uh, putting people off or being a little bit awkward in your, in your style. Uh, so, yeah, you can undermine yourself, and I think that we do see that with some politicians. They may be pretty good people in many respects, but they have a certain style or an abrasiveness or an arrogance or something else that really um, diminishes their star, their, their star quality. And uh, that, that, that's unfortunate, but at times we do see people on both sides of the aisle that uh, undercut themselves. Then, Dr. Rossi, you are an American citizen who possesses a sacred right to vote in the, on election days, uh, and you have to make choices about which candidates will have earned your vote and deserve uh, your vote. Uh, you also are clearly a political psychologist. You can uh, see through, I'm sure, uh, a mis misperceptions that the public might have. I think our listeners may be interested in knowing what metrics you actually use to determine who you will vote for. Well, I, I vote uh, for people who I think are going to be uh, perhaps the best listener to both sides of the aisle, uh, not only to actually to Democrats, uh, other Democrats or other Republicans, but also to independents. Uh, independents, I, I, I think, are the, the largest growing sector in our uh, population now when it comes to voting in many states. So I, I think that I, I look at someone who's going to look at the issues and look at all sides and, and have real interest and not just an ideological front when it comes to the issues of the day. I want someone who can make compromise and believes in compromise and doesn't want to go into office being uh, a one-way uh, uh, street. Uh, Ronald Reagan, for example, using him again, he had a best friend that was Tip O'Neill, the Speaker of the House, he was a Democrat, and they both went at it, but they both listened to each other. Bill Clinton, on the other hand, listened to everybody and made his own decision. He was widely known for reaching out and listening to people with diverse points of view. And uh, Tom Kane Sr., the, the former governor of New Jersey, is widely seen as someone with a, a very, very sharp mind who listens to all sides and makes uh, what he thinks is a judgment based on reality and the facts and what's good for the, the country, or in his case, the state, when he was governor. I look for people that fall in, into that category, and I think those are the folks who have uh, presidential timber. Uh, so I, I look at those particular features. Now, you mentioned that uh, in addition to Republicans and Democrats, there are registered independents or people who are otherwise unaffiliated with a, an established political party um, but are registered voters. 
could you speak about why uh, independents are the largest growing uh, voter bloc in the United States? Are people feeling disaffected? Is the political environment uh, something that's shifting people away from established parties? Could you provide some psychological profile insight into this large, uh, fast, quick, rapidly growing uh, block of disaffected voters, if in fact that is an adjective that would describe them? Well, being the psychologist that I am, I would think that first and foremost, a lot of people relate to being independent uh, because they think that, that that really is a better way for them to go. They, they feel better about themselves and they feel more honest about themselves because they're a little bit dissatisfied or very dissatisfied with one party or the other. By being an independent, you can say that you're independent and you can present yourself as uh, someone who is perhaps more moderate or more reasonable uh, from this particular point of view. And you can, and you're someone who's going to be looking at both sides and or all sides and uh, making a, an educated decision based on uh, what you think and not what one particular party is selling. And I think that's very attractive today. Uh, and uh, you're actually seeing the same thing uh, with regard to religion. Uh, most people will identify themselves today as kind of independent or, or non-denominational. Uh, they actually may be even religious or certainly believe in God, but they don't want to be involved with an organized religion, just like other folks don't want to be involved with an organized political party per se, even though they might be active. So, um, yeah, I think that being independent um, means something to people and it makes them feel good about who they are. And in some respects, uh, it, it does make them more independent and thoughtful. So, Dr. Rossi, uh, we are approaching the end of this podcast episode, and as we do so, I'd like to ask you a final two-part question, which is to reflect on uh, your life and your career uh, as, as a political psychologist, commentator, somebody who's able to offer insight to listeners and to viewers about the political process and its various players, how they work, what their motivations are. Why is this something that has been interesting to you? Why are you seeking to advance the public interest in this way? How do you construe this as advancing the public interest? And what do you hope your legacy will be? What will be the impact of your uh, commentary on the American political process? That's a big question. <laughs> I think I can best answer it by saying that I think that um, when I really blended clinical psychology with politics, uh, it was an eye-opener in some respects for others, but even for myself, because I think that when you bring psychology out into, into politics, you see things a little bit differently. You see some of the conflicts that, that um, arise, whether it's with a particular issue or w if, it's, if it's with a particular um, uh, party. And you also think of the um, specifics associated, you know, with um, who's looking good, who has the winning personality, who has the traits and characteristics, and why and why a particular issue is going one way and why it's not um, moving in another direction. So I, I think that by blending the, the clinical and the political, uh, it, it, it adds something to the, to the a whole process and the political spectrum that is rather different. And uh, I've, I've gotten pretty good at the psychology of everything, pretty much, and, and why uh, looking at it from the psychologist's point of view is, is often 
extremely important, a little different, and quite dynamic, I might say, uh, when it comes to people and the whole process. And that has been Dr. Bart Rossi, political psychologist, commentator on the Fresh Outlook, formerly on News 12 New Jersey, on air legal analyst with a variety of renowned uh, media channels, uh, former chair of the New Jersey Association for the Advancement of Psychology, a licensed clinical psychologist and author of a, of a book on a new American lifestyle, uh, and of course a winner of an Emmy, who speaks about presenting a new lens for Americans on their own democracy. He provides insights that he hopes will complement the current conversation about how Americans interact with their elected officials and what exactly the political process uh, is, is being driven by. He speaks about underlying, underlying psychology that drives party planks uh, on particular issues, um, how the party uh, machines operate, what's driving individual voters to support candidates, parties, or, or, or leave parties in, in t- altogether, uh, uh, drawing parallels um, in, in a growing movement, perhaps worldwide, but he mentioned specifically uh, within the context of the United States, between religion and politics, a growing movement for independence and non-denominational uh, interests uh, instead of being affiliated with large organizations, a growing interest uh, in the power of the individual to, con- to consider all sides and uh, potentially um, move away from what some may uh, describe as an increasingly polarized political world that's driven by ideology, uh, whereas it seems uh, a number of Americans are interested in compromise uh, and looking at reasonable, moderate uh, positions. He enumerates four uh, criteria for a winning personality in politics, being comfortable in your own skin, being consistent, uh, never discarding what people say or minimizing them, and presenting oneself as a good listener. And with that recipe, uh, generally, you could find yourself as a candidate in a better position to win that election. In essence, Dr. Rossi seeks to advance the public interest by providing Americans with a new perspective on how to interact with their own democracy, and in such a way, he seeks to advance the public interest. So, Dr. Rossi, I'd like to thank you for joining us today. I enjoyed it myself. Thank you. This has been another episode of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. I'll remind you to subscribe on publicinterestpodcast.com and on iTunes, leave a review of this podcast on iTunes, and listen on Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, Blueberry, Player FM, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Should you wish to comment on this episode, you're welcome to leave a voicemail at 240-630-0380. And the first three minutes of that voicemail may be played in future episodes of Public Interest Podcast. Should you wish to support the podcast, you're welcome to leave a contribution in an amount that you feel comfortable with at publicinterestpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.